welcome citizens of Gotham and Bloodhaven and all the outlying territories of Tricorner and the boroughs of Gotham City. Welcome to I Am The Night, episode 82 and episode 3 of season 3. This one's called Cold Comfort. Who do you think the villain is, Adam? Firefly. Gotta be. Yeah. Absolutely. Could, couldn't agree more. Um, interesting one, because it's a new writer to the show, mm. but... But, 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 Hilary J. Bader is no stranger to Batman the Animated Series in comic form. The comic we were talking about last week, oh, I of course. Borrow, introducing Nightwing, was written by the self-same lady. And she, well, I'll see what you think of her as a writer um, after, while we talk about this show. And it's directed by old mainstay Dan Reba. So, enough from me, Adam. Cold Comfort, your immediate thoughts on this episode. It was a very strong character-led episode by our, uh, our titular villain, um, Mr. Freeze. I think he's at his uh, at his worst, at his most sinister. I think his act of evil in this episode actually bothered me in a kind of a personal way. But oh, we yeah. still got the level, same levels of heroics uh, that we'd expect from the Batman family and real tests to what the Bat family have to do to try and like keep each other safe and their best to try and help slash defeat this villain. This was definitely Freeze at his most chilling, pardon the pun. He mm. was scary. I mean, from the get-go, the way he targets not you, but what you love. So you're left, I guess, in his mind, feeling a semblance of what he feels even though he says he feels nothing he clearly feels something because it's shocking the things he does and the things he destroys i mean art for start with two mm. people like us that's a real blow isn't it the art and the history that he targets is stuff that's unique and ancient and irreplaceable and he just obviously going through it without any care or mercy he wouldn't have any care or mercy when destroying that stuff but ooh, just the fact that that was destroyed, it really bothered me, just like personally. And then going after the people that matter, certain people like Bruce Wayne and the like, it uh, it really hit home, just showed the lack of remorse and care, just all of the things that the character's been through, but it doesn't justify doing those things. Absolutely. I mean, let's set the scene for our listeners and viewers. Uh, at the beginning of this episode, we find out that at some point in the years since the original series and this new series, um, Nora's been cured but freezes found out that he is beyond saving the freezing conditions of what turned him into mr freeze in the first place have damaged his body beyond repair and that's why he let nora go but because he had to let go of the one thing that kept him going for all those years when he became mr freeze he decided to take his revenge on gothamites by taking everything they love and the first thing he destroys is a beautifully restored uh skeleton of a dinosaur as uncovered by Dr. Margaret Madsen. And we'll talk about the uh, cast later on in the episode. And a woman's life's work destroyed with an ice gun. I mean, like you said, horrible. No, uh, I, I, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a hard pressed thing. I was thinking about it as a loss to the fossil record and just as a piece of history because. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much people know about the science, but I know quite a bit about the science of fossilization just because it's an interest of mine. I've always loved dinosaurs and paleontology. And for things to fossilize, it's actually very unlikely. It's very rare for things to fossilize. That's why we know that there's 
several millions and millions of species that have existed in prehistory that we will never ever know about so finding any kind of fossil that gives an indication of that is miraculous and one that complete even more so so getting rid of that is a huge loss to science and paleontology and this woman's career so very sinister act of evil yeah. there and then the second target every bit as tragic um the artist Giuseppe Bianchi, uh, his final piece, retiring, years of his work. And again, even, it's another thing that blows my mind. It's a piece of art, but it actually looks like a piece of art separate and above the piece of art that we're looking at in this animated series. It literally stands out as completely other from mm. the animated show we're watching. And that's another brilliant touch. And again, Freeze destroys it and he says, I'll never be able to paint another. Cold. Sorry, again, uh, yeah, no, it works because it's that kind of cold coming back, mm. so yeah, it balances out. But yeah, again, as a piece of art, it was stunning, it was um, very art deco, very abstract, sort of out there, sort of cityscape where everything was sort of like Picasso esque, where nothing was all of the angles were all over the place, very 30s and 40s, but also. Because of the color scheme of like the reds and blacks was very reminiscent of the actual Batman the animated series art style, so we could recognize it right away. So, yeah, uh, shame to see it go, really. Um, striking difference from the Freeze we've known, but still played. I mean, Michael Ansara's Mr. Freeze, for me, as iconic, as historic as Kevin Conroy's Batman and Mark Hamill's Joker, to me, the best Freeze ever captured ever yeah I'd, yeah I'd agree with that i'd agree with that it's um just the level of robotic with a person on the inside but yeah. the lack of emotion that's different from just being robotic it's just there's no feelings there it's just a hot a lot of uh internet talk is about um people joke about being head empty where it's just like you space out and you don't think about too much i'd say mr freeze is sort of heart empty he's just very cold and logical and straight down the middle and doesn't feel for anything as the result of his condition as the result of the loss and the trauma he's been through absolutely and what's brilliant again with um this iteration of freeze is his three henchwomen the ice maidens that was a lovely little touch and all three of them different all three of them as cold and as deadly as he is. I mean, prepared to shoot everyone, slice them to shreds with super sharp um, shards of ice or freeze them and, until their blood runs cold. Great introduction of characters, I thought. Yeah, very, uh, very unique look. Um, very noticeable and one that def and some hired help that Freeze would definitely need to rely on. Uh, given the cold nature, I don't know if they necessarily wear such like skimpy short skirts and like, have legs everywhere, but I'm willing to forgive that for the teenage boys viewing. Um, but yeah, no, the 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 sidekicks and the henchmen to the villains are just as important as the villains themselves. It gives them gravitas and gives them a point of command. Absolutely. Of course, we get a couple of other classic characters. Mayor Hamilton Hill, again, played by Lloyd Buckner and obviously the legendary Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon. But I want to talk about some of the side characters. I mean, obviously, uh, Dr. Madsen herself. And again, we'll talk about the cast later. And the person interviewing her mm, at I'll the beginning of the episode. Well. Yeah, I'm glad because I didn't know how much I destroyed your mind already with random <laughs> and obscure, lesser known DC characters. I mean, obviously, you know who Jack Ryder is. I well, suppose. Jack Ryder at present is still a, a correspondent for Gotham City News. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, from what I understand, please correct me, as I'm sure you will, he's one of the few people to 
not be completely destroyed by Joker's gas. And despite that, still comes out as a little bit unhinged, but uses it as an extended third, second or third cousin of the Bat family as the Creeper. Spot on. Exactly right. One of the few people to survive a Joker attack. And while he's driven bonkers, it's almost like a side two-face um the way the creeper acts but heroic in a maniacal way um partnered up with with wonderful characters like um who else is crazy but brilliant um plastic man that that era mm. of bronze age wonderful uh characterization yes and um when i tell you um well actually when we talk about that the the casting that this is a bit part yes what three or four lines at most at the beginning of the episode who they've cast leads me to believe this character has to come back and maybe we will see can we meet the um, creeper in brave and the bold am i right we um, meet every side character in dc in the brave and the bold yeah the fact that they've cast who they cast as jack Ryder leads me to believe i think we might see the creeper before this season's out and i really hope so because this guy is voice acting royalty i i hope so oh i really do hope so now Freeze himself. Now, said we've dist- he's destroyed a, a, a priceless um, uh, dinosaur fossil that's been re- restored and a priceless painting. But when he goes after Bruce Wayne, what he goes after is even more evil. Um, he targets our boy Alfred. And when he's confronted by Batman and Batgirl and Robin, he lets Batman go to aim to kill Batgirl and Robin rather than Batman's officers to take from Batman what he loves, what he cares about. This MO is truly terrifying. It really is because as we learned, we didn't know what we knew as, as we explained it right from the beginning of the episode. We figure we were told eventually that Nora recovered, Nora moved on, found another man, left Gotham, all of that stuff. So effectively, Freeze is a person with no emotion but the only moral compass he did have has gone so he truly has nothing to lose now uh so he's very willing to just destroy wantonly because that will be the closest thing to making up the loss that he's felt so yeah the the loss is real enough to to perpetrate that but still seeing it actually play out just like the wanton destruction of irreplaceable things and to just attack people just because you can there's truly something sinister there because we've we've seen the freeze from the beginning we've seen freeze from the first few episodes of season one and batman had the very strong intent of actually like helping him recover and find using wayne tech's science to develop it and even bruce wayne says so in that confrontation but yeah this freeze is beyond it's sad to say beyond saving but maybe beyond saving Absolutely. And and his ultimate uh, metamorphosis during the course of the episode. I mean, we get a hit glimpse of it. And again, the storytelling in this episode is absolutely wonderful where um, the freeze gun gets turned on him and he's frozen solid to, to the back of a wall. And you think that's it. He's never going to get out of it because he's never shown any real superhuman abilities. Yes, he's had this armor that makes him a bit tougher. But then he cracks through the solid ice like with the strength of like a superhuman. And we're thinking, whoa. Hmm. That's not the freeze I know. What what's happening here? And of course, what we discover is that his body isn't just weathered and ravaged beyond saving. He no longer has one. He's literally like something out of a 50s horror movie, mm. a head in a jar. And it's really unnerving, especially for a family show. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say it is. I I was willing to sort of dismiss it. I thought that maybe there was enough uh, robotic enhancement in the in his freezing suit that maybe he was strong enough to mm. break out of his own ice. And I'd also assume that like there may be some resistance to his own ice because that's the, that's the technology it runs on. So yeah, when he did that bust out of the ice thing, it was pretty expected. But for him to just be like. Uh, head on life support walking around on detached robotic legs it is very sinister it's very just like a very weird science fiction villain that doesn't feel out of left place for a place for a show like this it just feels very Mm -hmm. other and weird and creepy that it's a surprise to see but it just shows how far gone he is and the actual lack of humanity that free still has he's just the thinking parts he doesn't have a heart or a body anymore to feel with well said and i've got to talk about the animation and that reveal because you don't see it straight away it's not just in your face that this head in a jar is walking around on spider legs it's done from shadows and he comes from around a corner and it's brilliant it's like terminator one the, the the thriller level tension building it's like the re- slow reveal and it's brilliantly done yeah it's a real unexpected shock of just something popping up that you'd never expect that kind of visual because we've so used to the visuals of the silhouette of the domed head and the strong stocky armor but that's what we assume mr freeze to be but i think it sort of reminds me of the walkers from war of the worlds that vision of otherworldly yes. fear that's what it reminds me. That's, yeah yeah that's what it makes me think of because I imagine in the future, if Mr. Freeze commits to this, he just makes the limbs a little bit stronger so that they can stand up to a battle with Batman and just mounts the Freeze gun as a little turret under his head so he doesn't need to have the humanoid form anymore and he becomes more and more otherworldly and less human the more the more he just wantonly commits to his his madness. Yeah, I think, I think that's the way it's, it's going to happen as well. Almost more like a freeze dalek than human being it's Mm. it's unreal now we've talked about the villain and and his um transformation but i've got to talk as well about batman and Mm. he has hardened physically in his regime on his sidekick since the great move out i mean that training he's putting back gold through that's pretty brutal right yeah, I was going to say that the training montage that Batgirl was going through seemed pretty, pretty tough. It seemed like very extreme, not like boot camp extreme. It seemed like very intensive and very all up in it that just like it requires your consistent attention. Like it's a Jedi school level. You will be put through your paces, which makes me believe that this is a a Bruce that is recovered from Jason Todd. So that like if he's going to train up any kids, any any That's members exactly. of the bat any members of the bat family they've got to be the very best of the best so they've got to go through their paces constantly anything less than that would just get them in trouble like jason was um obviously of course this isn't the case we know that that's not the case for this show there's no real red hood analog here but that's what i feel looking on this as a as a viewer so yeah it's a very surprising thing to see the training so intense but in the, it's not out of place but it's just like wow okay that is like uh intense training see i actually agree and disagree with you i do agree that that is the reason why but i do think it is because he lost jason and because we do meet jason later comic sequels this is a perfect example showing us that perhaps it did happen 
And that's why, as you say, I mean, I think what you said is perfect. That's why he's being as hard on Tim and on Barbara as he is, because A, he nearly lost Dick, and, and B, he did lose Jason. So I actually think that you're you're spot on with that, and I, I do think that's the reason. But um, in terms of Batman's character, yes, harsh, but I think he's doing it for the right reasons to save these kids' lives, because he's ultimately responsible, and he's lost one he does not want to lose anymore. And that is both unnerving in how harsh he is on them but also like actually that's that just shows how much he loves them mm, yeah the tough love sort of like wanting them to be their very best deal makes a lot of sense so yeah we can only hope that this kind of training actually works and makes them as strong as they need to be and doesn't just drive them away because there's always that possibility as well that's what happened to dick i would say absolutely absolutely and now another character moment and again we we, we sang his praises last week but from <laughs> zimbalist juniors alfred in this episode for considering he's almost killed the fact that he finally after how many years gets to put his feet up and spend his time in a nice hot bath and he puts tim through his paces with the tea and what he wants and how to be looked after and i think honestly alfred it's about damn time good for you sir i support that alfred definitely deserves a little me time uh Sure, it's there as like a sort of Star Wars-esque back to tank to try and like bring his internal body temperature up, but it's a chance to pamper yourself and just sort of recover a little bit. Yeah, he definitely deserves it. it makes me think of um, the little repartee between um, Christian Bale's Batman and um, Michael Caine's Alfred. Of just like, I trust you don't have me uh, followed on my days off. If you ever took one, I might. That that's always been a consistent thing for <laughs> yes. Alfred. No, but that's just that's just my thing. That is absolutely yeah. like Alfred's so diligent that he doesn't rest. He's always at the how at the help of maintaining the Wayne household and at Bruce's need. That why would he ever bother taking a day off? It's not it's not a job anymore for him. It's his life. So yeah, um, that whatever chance he can get to relax a little bit, even if it's for him recovering from something bad happening to him. Sure, more power to them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, I've got a lot to say about the um, voice casting, uh, even with the bit parts of uh, the Ice Maidens. So I'm going to go and slightly shake things up in case of the order of this episode for now. And we're going to go straight to the your main takeaways, good, bad or ugly, from Cold Comfort, because there's some real talent coming even for the tiniest of parts in this episode so cold comfort let me know what you think well uh this is just me doing my uh literature graduate thing of taking like a very small little Ooh, almost throwaway line throwaway line of dialogue and then expanding the ever-loving juice out of it the moment when mr freeze watches the news and sees bruce wayne donating that check of a million dollars to some charitable foundation bruce wayne says um it reminds me of what my father used to say those who have the most should give the most and that just really summarizes bruce bruce's entire thought process absolutely and he's not just talking about money yeah i know he's not talking about money he's because that just summarizes his entire way of thinking because physically in terms of like how capable he is as a human being he is among the most he is a genius level intellect highly proficient in a number of skills and f- genetically, physically gifted so that he could be 
any kind of scientist, any kind of logician, but also any kind of athlete or sports person. But he's choosing to put all of that into being a crime fighter. He's giving, he has the most and he knows that. I think at any point during his training, if he thought he wasn't up to the standard that he thought that Gotham needed, he probably wouldn't go as far as he would to become Batman. He probably would have become like somewhere in the FBI, some sort of federal agent with a stricter code than what would necessarily be in justice. But the fact that he's strong enough to be Batman knows that he is a bit above most other people. That's why he does continually do what he does. He has the most, so he gives the most. And he applies that ethos into Bruce Wayne's charity work as well. And the Bruce Wayne charity work that he says to freeze in this very episode about needing to give back and help Nora recover from her condition. He lives by his uh, by his ethos and he puts that in the forefoot of every action he does. And that's a character that I think is why he's persisted so long. That, that mentality, whether it's made overt or not, is inspiring and is motivating and it's something that a lot of people could and should have live up to more well said that literally is his entire persona in one line of dialogue yeah. and it's masterfully done i'm really glad you brought that up because that was one of my main takeaways from the episode as well that line but i think you said it way better than i could that was that was brilliant the other thing i wanted to touch on in my takeaways from the show was um because we've mentioned how perhaps harsh Bruce's being with Tim and with Barbara but at the end of the episode when he goes to chase Freeze he has no hesitation in leaving Barbara to defend herself against both the Ice Maidens with weaponry I mean super weaponry weaponry which, which could destroy her and has already almost killed Alfred that level of trust again I think it's something he's learned since losing Dick Grayson because I don't think he would have done it. he would have stayed to fight alongside Dick but he's got this faith now in Barbara that he says right yeah she can hold her own against two supervillains I've got to go stop Freeze and that again shows a progression and a character development again we don't see in a lot of mainstream TV and yet here it is in Batman the Animated Series we're treated uh, in this show, we're treated constantly by the quality of the show and the way that they handle these characters. They're truly a cut above the rest. And like, if, as long as they're this well handled, I can see stories being told about this particular Bat family forever. Yeah. So, your thoughts then on on Hilary J. Bader's first um, animated uh, episode as writer? Because I love her work in the comics, and I think Stella. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, very strong. Clearly, they have a long experience of writing Batman in the past, so as long as they're able to keep that level of care and attention, then yeah, uh, I know that they'll be able to do a good job in the future. Brilliant. Right, so let's let's do this thing. So I, I want to see your face again. Once again, I, I love dropping these bombs on you when I do my research on the cast. Now, we're going to start from the Ice Maidens. Now, there were originally three. Only two of them are credited. Um, and in my research and speaking to fellow fans, we're of a mind that Ice Maiden 1 is actually Tara Strong pulling double duty. Probably. Um, which wouldn't surprise me in the slightest because that's just Tara. I mean, it could be wrong. If anyone out there does know who plays Ice Maiden 1, do let us know. But Ice Maiden's 2 and 3. Now, Ice Maiden 2 is Cree Sumner. Um, Susie in Rugrats. Um, Elmira in... Um, Oh, blimey, I can't even read my own writing now. Or well, Winnie in a Different World, Elmira in JJ. 
Yeah, I forget also. Anyway, Penny in uh, Inspector Gadget. She's been in the Care Bears movie, the Ewoks animated series. Oh, ooh. and Kida in the Atlantis Disney movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, I love that movie when I was a kid. And Lauren Tom, uh, Samurai Jack, Futurama, uh, Justice League Unlimited. She, uh, this actress, I adore her. Uh, she's both Jinx and Gizmo in Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. She's Dana, uh, Terry McGuinness's girlfriend in Batman Beyond. Oh, brilliant. But this is a bit why I'm going to blow your mind. She is uh, Kevin Tran's mum, Mrs. Tran in Supernatural. Oh, wow. But you know that also <laughs> means that she's Julie from Friends. Yes, she's yeah, Julie wow. from Friends. <laughs> Amazing. This is like the two um, hench people. And we've got actors of this calibre playing that. Then we go to um, Tress McNeil, who plays Dr. Margaret Manson. And this one just blew my mind. Babs Bunny in the Tiny Toon Adventures. Daisy Duck from 1999 to present in every Disney production. Every. Every. That includes like the weird like preschool stuff that's on mm-hmm. like wow. Wilma Flintstone in, in every Flintstones production 2000 to present. Wow. And this is the one that's gonna kill you. Tress McNeil, Dr. Margaret Madsen, bit part in Batman the Animated Series. Is also Dot from the Animaniacs. No. Yes. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, oh, brilliant. like I said, even the bit parts are like, what the hell? Andrea oh, Romano, that. you legend. And now we come to Mr. Jack Ryder, which is why this guy cannot possibly just appear in this episode. This is acting royalty. This is like a voice actor's voice actor guy called Jeff Glenn Bennett. Where do I even start? Clay in Shaolin Showdown. Oh, wow. Good start. Joker in The Brave and the Bold. Okay, nice. Red Tornado in Young Justice. He's won the Annie Award in 2012 for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Voice Acting for roles such as Zazu's singing voice in all the Lion King productions. So, though, that was not Rowan Atkinson. Um, he won uh, an Emmy for playing a character called Major Lusky, Mayor Lusky rather, in Transformers Rescue Bots. It's a series of Transformers I don't think I've ever seen. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was ad- geared towards uh, younger viewers. Well, he actually won an Emmy for that part, so it must be a recurring character. And that is the tip of the iceberg. James Bond Jr., Kowalski, the evil penguin in the Madagascar movies, uh, Freakazoid. Um, Land Before Time, Biker Mars, Mice from Mars. Um, he's Dexter's dad in Dexter's oh. Laboratory. <laughs> but this is the pinnacle. This is the one where I'm thinking, hang on, whoa. Every voice I've mentioned is about as far from every other voice I've mentioned as you could possibly imagine. This dude, Mr. Jeff Glenn Bennett, I salute you. This is Johnny Bravo. No! <laughs> Oh, this is so brilliant. And he was in there for, like, what, seven seconds? Are you kidding? And and that resume is like... That's amazing. Yeah. That is, like, as voice actors go, I mean, that wasn't everything. If I was to sit here, we'd have an episode about this one actor. It's unreal. So... Please let them bring Jack Ryder back and let him let me hear his um his interpretation of of uh, Creeper. 
creeper because um that makes sense Ow. that they would get an actor like this because someone yes. with that kind of range and someone with that kind of talent to be able to do the mild-mannered reporter into mm -hmm. the twisted, slightly sadistic but still well-meaning anti-hero. Yeah, that's that's inspired. Well, the fact he's cast as the Joker in the Batman Brave and the Bold means that he's got to be able to to perform that. And maybe he got that job out of this. No, because yeah. no, like, I remember Brave and the Bold. Because like in the first episode, the first appearance of the Joker is from that two-part uh, Elseworlds story, mm -hmm. where we also see the Injustice Syndicate and the Joker was like a heroic version of Red Hood, trying to bring down that force. And it was definitely the same voice actor and the same voice and tone, but there was just so much more levity and heroism and just like general well-meaning to that version of Red Hood, whilst uh, the Joker was just doing Joker things, but in a lighter, more kid-friendly sort of way so yeah that kind of acting talent is definitely what you'd want from a character as layered and as difficult as creeper so yeah i would love to see this i hope we see this actor playing this character sometime yeah. in the series definitely cannot wait and so that's it batman saves the day but i i need your thoughts on that end scene where batman manages to well freeze's plan is to drop a bomb on gotham city which is like a reverse fusion which is just like genius comic book nonsense i love it and um he manages to get him to crash into the river instead and so we have a giant iceberg floating in the middle of gotham harbor with mr freeze's armor in it the mm -hmm. head is definitely not there right no no that they did that in a way that uh, to quote one of our other favorite shows remember when during David Tennant's era of Doctor Who, when the Master's ring fell out of the pyre so that we knew that he'd be back. This is another way of showing that you can't keep a good villain down. They'll be back eventually. Oh, no. Why did you say he'll be back? That just reminded me of Arnie as Mr. Freezing back. Uh, why, would you, why would you remind me of Arnold? Come on. <laughs> You're doing so well here. You did it. It's your fault. I'm blaming you. Uh, uh, that's it so yeah um, again three episodes in with three for three I think um, great great show as it has been and I'm sure it will continue to be yeah so all my fears are rapidly dissipating um, I thought maybe the change in animation style the simpler drawings would lead to a simpler I was just dreading that this would be like Teen Titans go to Teen Titans and thank goodness so far it really isn't it's all the levels of excellence we've come to expect from this show so I'm very very happy indeed yeah I've seen a lot of um, video essays recently that have sort of defended Teen Titans Go for being a very different take and despite his very childlike look apparently has a lot of very well seeded in jokes for the grown-ups I've heard that so I may revisit it but then again that's comparing Teen Titans Go to this show is like comparing like uh, medium well fillet steak to chicken nuggets yeah valid well sometimes said. Sometimes it's sometimes one's satisfying, but one's an award-winning player food. There you go. Yeah. So that's it. That's Cold Comfort, episode three of season three of Batman the Animated Series, written by the brilliant Hilary J. Bader and directed by Dan Reber. But um, Adam, let's uh, tell the world what you're writing, directing, and appearing in across the interwebs of the universe. For many things there are out there, and to find them, look no further. Uh, for Batman-flavoured written work, look no further than Dark Knight News, where I review multiple titles a month, both Catwoman and Batman 
Joker Deadly Duo are in excellent spots right now. But for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look to our pride and joy, fantasticuniverses.com, where I give my two cents on digital card gaming, in-paper card gaming, gacha gaming, board games, and everything in between, whatever else takes my fancy that involves slinging cards or rolling dice. Look to Storytellers Forge, where you'll find me giving my own two cents on various issues that can level up your TTRPG experience. Follow me on Twitter as is it Tinkerer. And to hear my dulcet tones, you can hear me on this show, I Am The Night, as well as, as well as my own podcast hosted through Fantastic Universes, Fantastic Plays, where a friend, a special guest and I talk about our favorite things, PC, console, tabletop, or anything in the world of gaming. And look very soon to Misguided League, a new Dungeons & Dragons Let's Play Ooh. show where some adventurers and I will be looking to traverse a new setting that I've created for Dungeons & Dragons or really any tabletop role playing game experience to help promote First Gate, The Menagerie of Madness, the new supplemental book I'm writing alongside John of Biscuit Tin RPG. Marvellous. D&D, how I love thee. As for me, yes, this show, I Am The Night, which is part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Catch us on Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, everywhere you find podcasts, that's where you will find us. DC Comics News and Dark Knight News you can catch all across social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr and YouTube. And you can do so by searching DC Comics News or Dark Knight News on Twitter at DC Comics News at DKNews.com. As for me, just type Steve, J, Ray or Fantastic Universes to take you across my features, news reviews and interviews all across those three wonderful websites, Fantastic Universes, Dark Knight News and of course, DC Comics News or talk to me directly on Twitter at EL underscore S-T-E-E-V-O but until you do there are things you need to know and things you need to do I am the night we are the night and this has been the I am the night podcast thank you for listening and until next time read more comics and watch more Batman, Batman. Wow. <laughs>